VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff from Reading Out Podcast. That'd be me, and that'd be the show. Uh, how are you guys doing? It's a, it's a very chilly, at least in California. If you're other places in the country, it's probably really cold. Thursday night, I press record with about four minutes to go. The Colts are kicking the crap out of the Titans here, 34-17. to and uh, like always, we'll dive in, have a couple quick thoughts on the Thursday night game and these two teams. You know, kind of a pseudo playoff game. They'll both be six and three. Uh, I, I think both are playoff teams at the end of the day. We'll dive into a lot this uh, coming up. Some thoughts on Lamar Jackson had some comments about what opposing teams are saying in games, opposing defenses about his offense. Uh, then we'll dive into some thoughts I have on the quarterback, just the evolution uh, of quarterbacks. There, a couple things are being floated about if a team like the Chiefs, if Eric Bieniemy gets a job and the team that, you know, whoever hires them, the Chiefs would get multiple third-round picks uh, trying to enhance the minority coaching hires, which I, I'm all for the the progress of the league and to get guys looks and get guys jobs. But I, I have a take that I, I think this might be a little counterproductive. Uh, at least that, you know, factoring in as a short-term solution to give the team picks. Uh, do a little three for the money, three games I like a lot this this Sunday. Sunday's going to be sweet. I mean, Masters in the morning, a bunch of games in the afternoon. Can't wait. And then, of course, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Answer your questions, of course, at the end of the show. Slide up in those DMs, and we get them answered. Also, three and out podcast. Subscribe to the, if you listen on Collins feed, you like the show, listen or subscribe to the separate podcast, Three and Out. Find it on Apple, you can find it on Stitcher, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it all the places that you guys listen. And if you would, be so gracious to leave a review in the Apple iTunes section. Thank you. We'll start with this game. I, I used the analogy last week with the Colts. They'd be like having a sweet house with multiple rooms, a badass backyard, and the water doesn't work. Because that's what they look like when the, when Philip Rivers plays bad. They are just not a functionable uh, operation, despite looking sweet, being sweet. They have good players on offense. They have a fantastic offensive line. They have a dominant defense. Their front seven is just ass kickers. They dominate. DeForest Buckner has been unreal. But when their quarterback doesn't play well, they're, they're just an average team. They, they honestly might not be a playoff team. But when he plays like tonight, which is just solid, 29-39 for 300 yards, doesn't turn the ball over, they're a 10-plus win team. They're just too good on defense. 
They're just, they are. They're too well coached, even though Frank Reich had a couple questionable fourth down calls. And one big picture thought I had, because I don't think the Colts might win the division, even though they're showing their uh, their schedule. They got the Packers, then they play the Titans again, Texans, Raiders, Texans. So, they, I mean, I, I still think they get to nine or ten wins. Them and the Raiders and the Titans are basically the uh, three wild card teams, and one of those two teams is going to win the division. So one wild card is going to be the Ravens. They'll be the five seed. The Raiders, Colts, or Titans will be the two wild card teams, and then whoever wins it out of the Colts and Titans will be the you know be the fourth seed. And that team, what's going to suck for them is they're going to have to play the Ravens, who you could say doesn't really suck for them. The Ravens, not an ideal playoff team, and the Titans did beat them last year. Even though I think we all agree the Titans aren't exactly the same. Here's one thing I would do if I was Chris Ballard. Because there's been a lot of talk, and the Colts have a pretty big fan base. And listen, when your team wins for two decades, you create a massive fan base. There's a reason, like, the Yankees have the, or the Lakers, like, these teams have the biggest fan bases. They always win. The Steelers, the Packers. The Colts fan base, for being a smaller market team, is massive. Uh, I, I've noticed it when I worked in the league. I know it when I've worked in media now and just my DMs and stuff. Like, they got a big following. And the number one conversation is like, what are we going to do at quarterback? What are we going to do at quarterback long term? And a lot of stuff comes up, should they trade for Sam Darnold? Because this team is set up for the next several years. See how good Michael Pittman Jr. looked tonight? And Jonathan Taylor sucks right now. But same thing happened with uh, Melvin Gordon when the Chargers drafted him. Took him a couple years to get running. Maybe it's something with Wisconsin running backs. I don't know. I like John Taylor. I think he'll eventually be a good player. They don't necessarily need him this year because you see Hines is, is more than you know good enough. Here's what I would do if I was Chris Ballard. This team is set up for a quarterback to thrive. They have a quarterback, or they still have the rights to a quarterback named Andrew Luck. One of my first off, my number one priority this offseason, before I dive into attempting to trade for a Sam Darnold, diving into the quarterbacks that I can draft, which they're already doing anyway during the fall. When my season ends, and I might even do this before my season ends, during the week or whatever. I get on a private jet. I don't know if Andrew still lives in Indy. Maybe he lives in California. Maybe he lives in Texas. I don't know. I go to his house, and I give him a pitch meeting. Because, I, Andrew, this team, you've had you know multiple years now to get healthy, get right. If you have any sort of, of itch that needs to be scratched about your football career, we are set up to win. And we are set up, really, to compete. Like If, you, if Andrew Luck was on this team right now, we'd be talking about the three best teams in the AFC. It's like... Steelers, Colts, and obviously the Chiefs. But I, I can't put the Colts in that conversation with an older Phillip Rivers. And I, I'm a Phillip Rivers fan, but I just, I don't trust him. I mean, he's just, he's a shell of what he once was. And that, he's still pretty, he's still okay. But he's not what he once was. And they can't make a playoff run with Phillip Rivers. They, they just can't. I think Colts fans know that. They could, though, if they had Andrew Luck. And obviously they are going to have him this year. But I'm making him say no to me. Probably several times. I'm approaching it like a business deal. I'm going there to get a yes. And the moment, I, I'm pushing him very hard. And he, he might say no when we leave, but we come back the next week. That would be my number one priority. And obviously, the number one goal is to eventually get him to say yes. Because if he has any sort of football passion left, and I understood why he quit. The rehab of multiple areas on his body, missing seasons, that sucks. I can't even imagine. For, pe for a guy like Andrew Luck, even though he made an astronomical amount of money, he didn't play football for the money. Like, the, the money, he, he grew up, his dad had money. Like, I, it wasn't changing his life. He wasn't playing football for the cash. Clearly, he walked away. Now, granted, here's where the Colts were smart. Remember, they kept paying him. They didn't ask for him to return a lot of his signing bonus that they could have. They did right by him. So, you're still in a good standing with the guy. I think you just go all in on a pitch and try to convince him to come back. And the offensive line set up for him to succeed. You have multiple young wide receivers for him to play with. You just drafted a running back, and you have other running backs on the team. Your defense is fantastic. Your coach is good. You have a high-level organization, unlike the dysfunctional organization he had when he was there. Because think about this. If you're Andrew Luck when you retired, you didn't look at it like Frank, Frank Reich and uh, Chris Ballard. You were scarred from those early years of, despite winning, which was really because Andrew carried the fucking franchise to wins, you just saw dysfunction. And, I mean, McAfee's been open about it. Obviously, Andrew Luck hasn't been as open, but he's kind of hinted at stuff. Uh, he's a little jaded. 
right? Would he have left if he had been playing for the Packers, the Steelers, or the Patriots, or just a you know a normal where the head coach and the general manager weren't after each other, where with all the craziness that was going on internally? No. Like if you were part of the Trent Baalke, Jim Harbaugh era, and you just played for a couple years under under that kind of realm, or you just played under when Chip Kelly was with the Eagles, and you just never played for anyone else, you would might have a weird view of the way things work in the NFL, and that's not the way it actually runs. Because then you finally play for like an Andy Reid or a Pete Carroll, you're like, God, this is pretty cool. This is pretty high level. Like this is not craziness. This is not dysfunction. So, in fairness to Andrew Luck, all he kind of knows in his NFL life is a little dysfunction. At least a lot of it. I, I do think he played the one year under Frank, and obviously Ballard was there a couple years. But I, I, I think for me, if if I'm Andrew Luck's agent, if I'm Andrew Luck's father, if I'm Chris Ballard, like I, I think that a lot of people in his life could say, and I don't know, maybe he's completely over football and doesn't give a shit. I, I would just doubt that. For a guy that was that passionate about the sport, a guy that was that good, that maybe you could scratch his itch and maybe you could show him the team that you have could be. Because we know this Colts team. They're now 6-3, and three, probably go 9-7, and 10-6. and six. Maybe win a playoff game because of their defense, but they're not going very far. They're just not. And I, any fans know that. But you give them a top 10 quarterback in the league, let alone Andrew Luck, like they're a Super Bowl contender. That simple, next year. And I think you look at the Titans... Like, Ryan Tannehill wasn't very good tonight. Now, their special teams unit was terrible. Their defense is kind of questionable. They're very, very dependent on Derrick Henry. Like, I, I look at the box score, I'm like, I feel like Derrick Henry had a decent game. And then he has 100-plus yards. Their problem is, when they're kind of kicking ass, he has like 180 yards. They're they're not just dependent on running the football. They're depending on him having dominant performances. Like I've said about Ryan Tannehill the whole time. He's like a more physically gifted Alex Smith. He is what he is. He cannot carry your team. Tonight, he was missing a couple guys. He gets hit, but he's a solid player. It's fine. But your team has to be well-rounded. Last year, when they made their run, their defense was dominated. Their defense right now isn't that good. So I, I just question, I think both these two teams are kind of in the same position. The difference of these two teams is one team is just missing a quarterback. Even if you put Andrew Luck on the Titans, I don't think they would be that much better. But if you gave the Colts a top-flight quarterback with the infrastructure they have, I I, I really do believe that uh, if Andrew Luck was their quarterback, I I think they could give the Chiefs a run. I still think I'd give the Chiefs the edge, but just in terms of their physicality, I I think it's it, it's pretty crazy what a big hole the Colts have, and I think we've all trying to piece it together this offseason what they're going to do. They're going to win so many games, they're not going to be drafting high enough. Trading Sam Darnold like... You know, I, I don't know. I mean, who, what if they what if the Colts don't even like him? So I, I, I think Andrew Luck is the move. And uh, you get him back, you'll be winning this division for a long, long time. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> I saw this story, and I'm sure some of you did. Some of you might not have. I actually think I originally saw it come across the ticker. Maybe I saw it on a tweet. Uh, and I found it. The first thing I said was, wow, pretty interesting. Now, once I saw the quote and read the quote, I actually think it makes a lot of sense, and I'm not surprised. But anytime you read a quote is powerful of what Lamar Jackson said, about an offense, about the OC. I mean, he didn't call out the OC. But about just the entire operation, it makes you think. And Lamar Jackson basically said, the defense knows what's coming. To quote him, they are calling out our plays. And in basketball, like when the game's on the line, you know, depending on who you're playing, you know what they're going to do. Like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, like they're getting the ball. They're going to run pick and roll. Like it's not that complicated. In baseball, you know, it's when a certain guy's up late in the game, like he's trying to get a hit. Like it's just, there's, you don't even need to be some analyst or a former player to figure it out. In football, in theory, the offense, you should never know what's coming unless the game, the way it's played out, has gone really well in your favor. And you keep running the same plays over and over. But for the most part, even if you have shit, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, whoever, the Saints, I got Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. On a given play, I should know, are they going to Alvin? Are they going to Michael Thomas? Are they going to Emmanuel Sanders? Are they going to Jared Cook? That's why Sean Payton's so good. Look at the Chiefs. They got Tyree Kill. They got 10 other wide receivers that run like four two forties. They got Travis Kelsey. Now they got multiple running backs. On most plays, you never know where it's going to go. Even though, you know, Travis Kelsey's having another historic year. I don't know the ball's going to him. And that's what makes an offense great, right? On defense, you are reacting to what they are doing. You are kind of guessing or trying to figure out based on formations, based on down and distance, based on history, based on the coordinator, what plays they're going to call. But unless you're in the headset, which I think people have thought over the years in New England, they listen, but I, I don't. I'm making a joke. But unless you're on the headset or they tell you what play they're going to run at the line of scrimmage, you don't really know what's coming. And you shouldn't. That's what makes a good offensive coordinator. Now, we know there you have some bread and butter plays, but for the most part, good teams keep teams off balance. And Lamar Jackson saying the defenses are calling out our plays, my first reaction is, of course they are. I know what's coming when I watch you. You guys run a remedial offense when it comes to the running game. And you're a running team. I never know with a great, you know, with the Chiefs, with some of those peak Manning teams, with some of those great uh, Tom Brady teams, you know, what they're going to do. Because when it comes to the passing game, you can do a million different things. Think how many different routes there are on the route tree. And there are three or four guys on a given play going out and running those routes. This guy could run it out. This guy could run a go. This guy could run a comeback. This guy could run an over route. This guy could run a, you know, do a ghost motion into a go route, into a double move, skinny post. Who knows? You can just, shit, you can make up routes. With the run game, there are really only so many runs. Right? Especially when you do what the Ravens do. Now, you can pull guards or not pull guards. You can run power schemes with a fullback. You can run zone runs. But for the most part, you're going right off tackle. You're going left off tackle. You're basically running it right up the gut or you're going, you know, sweet pitch plays. 
So when the base of your offense is the run game, that is not the case with the Chiefs. That is not the case with Seattle. That is not the case with Pittsburgh. That is not the case, hell, even with the uh, the Saints. You could argue their best player is a running back, but he dominates because he kicks your ass in the passing game. Now, you can say, well, you could only run so many you know, uh, routes out of the backfield, which is kind of true, but still, I get him the ball in space and he makes plays. When you are handing it off to Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins, I have an idea where you want to go. I bet they're not calling out their plays per se when it comes to the passing game. Now, maybe they are able to do that because they don't run that many passing plays. But listen, Lamar Jackson is a fantastic athlete. He's an elite athlete. And last year, he was very, very good throwing the football. But a huge reason for that is they were always kicking everyone's ass. They were dominating or dominant in the run game. So you had to commit so many people to the box. And I remember last year seeing, I think it was a Monday Night Football game. He threw like four or five touchdowns. And he didn't even throw over 200 yards passing. He's getting layup throws. It's like collegiate. Yet, back-to-back years, and I've said this over and over, why I bet against the Ravens, because in the playoffs, you got to throw to win. And I know the Ravens can't throw to win. You can run to win in the regular season. You can't run to win in the playoffs. Not consistently. It's a passing league. We know, we know this. And their coordinator, this is a carbon copy of what happened before in San Francisco. With Colin Kaepernick and that offense. They took the league by storm. And eventually, they could neutralize the running game. Even this year. The Ravens are going to be able to run the ball. Why? Lamar's an elite runner. They have multiple running backs who are really good. But when you get in tighter games, you have to pass in certain situations. You cannot just run it against really good teams on third and eight. You know who would never in a million years would run it on third and eight in a big game? The Chiefs, Seattle, Pittsburgh. But the Ravens sometimes think, like, could we get this eight yards with a run game? Because they're a run-oriented operation. It's what I said. When you built your offense around this, you are capped to how you know great you can be as a team. If, if Lamar Jackson, if they were doing what they did on the ground, but they did in the air, they would be the best team right there with the Chiefs because their defense is really good, but they're just not. They're the opposite. They, they run to win. And as Lamar said, they're calling out our plays. They know what's coming. Of course they do. You can only do so many run plays. And I'm not scared anymore of your passing game because your quarterback can't consistently hit guys outside the numbers. And this isn't, I'm not trying to diminish Lamar or even Greg Roman. It is what it is. They put all their chips in the middle of the table. And their ceiling is just limited. It it just is. Because, and I saw it with Kaepernick, I think part of this offense, because you have so much success on the ground, you don't actually grow and improve in the passing game. But eventually, always, in the history of the NFL, definitely the modern game, you're going to be put in positions where you have to throw. And I saw it with Kaepernick. And I think Lamar is a much better player than Colin Kaepernick. But they were limited. Now, at least Colin, in some playoff games, hit some huge plays with his arm. Lamar, the last couple years, has not been able to do that. So if they are going to win, like I don't envision Lamar, if they win a playoff game, probably having a 350-yard passing game. Now, can he have a 250-yard passing game where he hits two you know, 50-yard plays, maybe one a touchdown to kind of change? Because he hasn't been able to do that. He wasn't able to do that against the Chiefs earlier this year. And that, that to me, is their biggest problem. He wasn't able to do that against the Steelers earlier this year. So, like, teams are going to be like, yeah, we'll try to run it against us, we'll stack the box, and we don't think you can pass to beat us. So when these teams are calling out the plays, my first reaction is, of course they are. (laughs) They know what plays are coming. And for last year, the Ravens, it didn't matter. We are just better than you. But the more and more tape that gets out, I can really put guys exactly the gaps that you want to go into. I know by formation, you know, the run play you're running, whether it's an off-tackle right, whether it's a pitch left, and I can kind of have my guys cheat. So it's more like they're running they're running their sweep left or whatever the play is they're calling out, it's so much easier to do. If I go, hey, I, I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to run an out route. Let's say we're calling out the routes. Well, DeAndre, based on what you're doing as a corner, I can kind of cheat it. Maybe I can look at my quarterback. I can't really cheat in the run game. Like, once I call zone, you know, zone outside zone left, like, you're just going. Now, you could cut it back or whatever, but it, I'm going to take it away. It's I, I can improvise much more in the passing game. Plus, I have other options. So, if you know the route one of my wide receivers is running, 
I can just throw it to someone else. When I hand you the football, or even if I'm running the option or whatever, and you know which way I'm going, I don't have four options to go. I can't be like, you know, I'll just pitch it to my third running back. There's not. It's just you and the running back. Especially when you hand it out or pitch it out, he's kind of on an island. Where until I throw the football in the passing game, I don't limit myself of what I can do. It's why Mahomes, why Russell, why Rodgers, all these guys dominate in the NFL. Because even if you take away Devontae Adams, I could throw it to one of my two or three other options. So you can take away my best wide receiver all game long. All game long. And I can still throw for 300 yards. But if you know where I'm running every single play, it's going to be hard for me to be productive. And it's definitely going to be hard for me to win when I, for me to win, the strategy of my team is I have to run the ball. And it's ultimately the Achilles heel of the Ravens, of Greg Roman, and of building this offense around Lamar that is purely predicated on the run game. Let's look at a couple stories that came out of the league office. Uh, they're based in New York City. Never been there. Some people are like, 2525 Park Avenue. Wherever the hell Roger Goodell's office is in downtown New York City, they dictate the league. Uh, it's always crazy because people internally on different teams get so mad at the league office because most people in the league office, especially guys like Roger Goodell, have never signed a player, have never coached a down. And he doesn't look at it from that lens. He looks at it from the business lens. And I five years ago, John Middlecoff would have been like on the coaches and GM side. Now I understand both sides. At the end of the day, what Roger does in his office generates all the money for these coaches that are making eight, nine, ten, twelve million dollars, and all the assistant coaches making huge cash. And they help with the you know these huge television deals and growing the league. The players getting paid, like the league office, the business side. Who I think sometimes in society, everyone like being anti-business is cool. Not in the real world, but on social media, in the in the world I live in, like knowing real people. Growing your business is a good thing. It means more people making more money. The health of whatever business entity that you're in or any industry is a positive. So listen, I know Roger Goodell gets a lot of shit, and I don't I haven't agreed with everything he's done over his tenure, but when it comes to being the number one sport, growing the game, he's run circles around the other commissioners. Not even debatable. Not an opinion. That's a fact. They are potentially, if games get canceled, and as we go into the winter, it looks like, I mean, hell, in my backyard, the Cal Bears might not play a game this year. Now, college football is much different than the NFL, but you're seeing co- college games goes down left and right. The NFL has battled through some missed games. Potentially, if they lose more games, they're going to add a playoff seed. And you're going to have 8-8. Eight and eight. So basically, half the teams make the league. They already added a team this year, but they were only going to give the bye to one team. There would be no buys. You would play eight games on opening playoff weekend, quote-unquote wild card weekend. And listen, I I saw it with baseball. The baseball purists despised adding that extra couple wild card teams this year. They despised adding the DH. They despised putting a runner on second in extra innings. I loved it. It's 2020. We're in chaos. The best businesses are pedal to the metal. If you listen to the media and just shut it down, lock it down, Netflix and chill all year, we'd all be in the gutter. Every single person I've known in any industry... No one wanted this, right? But they've been extra aggressive during Corona. You have to be. Or you, or you just go under. It's just it's just a fact. And it's like, oh, these businesses, they got all this money. The more money you have, the actual harder it is to stay afloat when crazy things like Corona or recession happens. Because you need more money to keep going. It's why all these leagues came back. Now listen, all these leagues, they're not charities. They're businesses. Their goal is to make a profit. And I said it from the jump. The reason they're playing this season is because they had to. In a perfect world, you know, they probably just, they wouldn't have gone crazy on all the tests. They just would have canceled the season or postponed it or whatever. That's not the way the real world works. You have to play to make the money. And I've applauded them from the jump. And the NFL has been the most aggressive of the three leagues, clearly. And it's not perfect. There's It's not possible to go to a bubble. Got way more people. Uh, and at the end of the day, they've been pretty, I'd say, uh, successful in what they've attempted to operate. And if they go to eight teams... Some people will be like, oh, this isn't real football. Yeah, I've talked about it before. This isn't normal. This isn't real. (laughs) As as Belichick said, it's kind of a joke. It is what it is. We lose players in games because, no, they don't have the virus. They haven't tested positive for the virus. They were just around, potentially, someone with the virus. 
They have, and they never test positive, and those guys miss games. That's not normal. So if they have to add an eighth game or an eighth team to the league, uh, to the playoffs, get rid of the seeds or get rid of the uh, home field buy, it is what it is. They're doing that for financial stability. They make so much money off every playoff game. You know, the Thursday night package is worth like $900 million. So if you break it down per game, it's like $80 million a game or whatever. I think playoff games are worth exponentially more than every single regular season game. So let's just say a playoff game is worth $200 million. When you factor in the viewers, when you factor in the ability you can make advertising, you know who benefits from that? Everybody. The players, the coaches, the teams, the fans. Because next year, you want your team... The great part about the NFL... Like in the NBA, some teams don't have much money. Clearly in baseball, there is a huge financial divide. In football, every team has enough money to play for the players because of the way the business is set up and because of the media rights deal. So I wouldn't even have added a seventh team, but I understand why they did it. It's business. You're either growing or you're dying. And I get in the media circles, they're very anti-business and it's cool like to be like, oh, the big bad wolf corporations. Like I, Last I looked, they pay for everything. They keep all these people employed. They made the players a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's been pretty healthy for everyone. So I, it's not an ideal situation, but sometimes, especially in 2020, you don't have a choice. The other thing that came out of the league office is the minority hiring practices, which have been a polarizing topic the last couple of years because all these like good-looking white guys are getting hired. And, you know, the, the Rooney rule, which the NFL has been ahead of the curve in terms of doing this, trying to get people in front of the decision makers. That's what the Rooney rule essentially is. It doesn't guarantee anyone get hired. It gets people in front of the decision makers. And one of the best coaches in the league was once, quote-unquote, a Rooney rule, ironically, with the Steelers, and he ended up getting the job. I don't think anyone at the time thought Mike Tomlin, you know, is so far away now, but when he took the job, he was not like some, quote-unquote, leading candidate, blew him away as the head coach. But the last couple years, it's basically just been a bunch of dudes with 32-inch waistlines and slick back hair. And I think the league has tried to figure out a solution for this. And again, I applaud anyone for f- trying to figure out a solution. Like I, I, I see it right now in California. Their solution to slow down the co- coronavirus, even though relative to our state, relative to the rest of America, is not even close, has been to shut everything down. It's like, I, I, I give you a... Like, some brownie points the first time around, you tried. It didn't work. So now if we go into the winter and you do it again, you're just going to create more poverty. Because we already have the market cornered on historic poverty. Like, lockdowns, mandatory lockdowns of small businesses is not a solution. We've already been down this road. So the NFL, they've never done anything like this. They're going to give multiple third-round picks to the teams that kind of grow and put guys in position to get head coach, head coaching or general manager jobs. So, for example, if Eric Bieniemy gets a coach head coaching job, the Chiefs will receive two compensatory third-round picks, which I understand they're trying to think outside the box and do the right thing. Like, their heart is in the right place. And sometimes your heart can be in the right place. For example, California, when they originally did these crazy lockdowns, which lasted much longer in our state than everywhere else in the country. And now we're kind of rolling it back and we're making small businesses shut down. Like the first time around, your heart was in the right place. I'll even give you the benefit of the doubt. This time, we have the information. Your heart's not in the right place. You're just an idiot. This is the first time around for the NFL. And the NFL right now is attempting to get more of these guys, put them in position to get hired. And Eric Bieniemy is going to be a name that we hear over and over. Here's the problem with this quote-unquote solution. If I'm the... I almost called them the San Diego Chargers, the LA Chargers, and I need a head coach. And let's say I interview Joe Brady and I interview Bienemy. It's down to two people. I like them both. I think they both could be my head coach. I'm in the Chiefs division. I don't know if last, you know, we've all checked. They're the best team in the league. I know they don't quote unquote technically have the best record in the league. They have the best player. They're just they're defending champs. They're they're going nowhere. They're, they've built a powerhouse. If I'm the Chargers. Why would I hire Bienemy when I could just hire Brady when I know that they get extra multiple third-round picks the next couple years? That's not a big deal, right? It's not like you're giving them a first-round pick or even a second-round pick, but why am I trying to help them out? Let's say I'm the Jets. Now, I know the Jets and the Chiefs are nowhere near on the same train, but we've seen it in football. You can turn around fast. The Colts, pick number one. They draft Andrew Luck. 
Next year, they're in the playoffs. Now, it would be a little more difficult. I think the NFC East is going to be tougher the next couple years than the AFC South was at the time. But still, if you're the Jets, why do I want to help the Chiefs out? I I just, I don't have a solution. I, I don't pretend to. But I don't know if this is the right move. I also think there's some randomness to this. Now, for example, the Chiefs with Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, I'm pretty sure hired him the moment he got there. Like, they deserve credit for putting this guy in a position and making him the offensive coordinator. And he's clearly, last year got some interviews. This year he's going to get a bunch of interviews. Hopefully the guy gets a job or whatever. But why does any team want to help out the Chiefs? I just, I, I don't think... That is going to help. I had someone in the league text me like, why would you want the Chiefs to be better? Like having picks, especially in the second and third round, for a team that has a bunch of high-end players? Like at the end of the day, the, the last pick in the first round or the you know if they make the AFC Championship game or win another Super Bowl, they're guaranteeing a contract for those guys. The best contract for the Chiefs are the third, fourth, and fifth round guys because they're on really cheap, basically veteran minimum, you know, making under a million dollars, and they have co- they're cost-controlled. And they're under contract for several years. The Chiefs would sign up for unlimited second and third round picks. They'd probably rather have second and third round picks than the pick where they're going to be in the end of the first round. And I would imagine the next several years, they use that first round pick to trade back into the second round. Because as most people will tell you in the NFL, when you draft between 25 and 32, you're drafting a second round pick, but you're paying them first round money. That's why if you can just move back three or four spots, you get DK Metcalf, you get Nick Chubb, you get, you know... The Bobby Wagners, the Fred Warners. I, we can list the second and third round picks forever. But those guys are great deals their first two or three years in the league. What do the Chiefs need? Really good deals. Now, I, I do think what the league is trying to do is out of doing it for the right reasons. And I don't know how you can financially. The problem in a, in a business like football, these teams have so much freaking money. You can't be like, oh, we'll just give you a... $500,000 bonus if your guy gets hired. Like, they, they don't care. They, they get $300 million from the media right deals. A team, let alone all the other money they're making. So it's just a nominal amount. I don't know what to do, but I think this rule, specifically for Eric Bieniemy, might not be an ideal situation. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even to That's my, my dance, dance bro. <laughs> 
One thing I think we'd all agree on is there's been an offensive explosion in football. It's happened for a long time in high school football. It worked its way up to college football, and now it's in the pros. And, you know, in the in the business of football, it's kind of crazy because sometimes things go down, right? They start at the top and they work their way down. In football, it actually starts at the bottom and works its way up. Things are created and tried out in high school football. There's obviously just a lot less to lose in terms of you don't get fired as much for wins and losses. I, I know certain programs do, but you can think outside the box, right? And it's why, historically, we've seen all these different crazy offenses and philosophies happen in high school football. And then it slowly works its way up to college football. Because just naturally, especially in like the Power Five, if you're at a worse program than, you know, if you're at Washington State to compete with Oregon and USC, like, you might have to run the air raid. Texas Tech, I mean, Mike Leach is a good example. And... I think right now, in the NFL, the offensive explosion has really caught up. Now, a huge part of that has been the rules and the regulations on hitting, right? Because of trying to change the violence in the game that led to concussions and the lawsuits. I mean, listen, we can act like it's out of the goodness of their heart. It's all, you know, revolves around money and litigation. Just, just end, period, point blank, end of story. I think the older you get, you realize, yeah, everything kind of revolves around money. It's just a it's just a sad reality of the world we live in. Uh, and so the NFL changed these rules, so did college, and so did high school, to try to make the game safer. But by doing that, you have created it much easier for the offense. Not debatable, right? You can't get taken out over the middle. You can't get taken out running a go route when the safety comes over and basically decapitates you. Those plays don't happen anymore. And the other thing is the quarterback, for the most part, doesn't fear for his life. When I was growing up, the quarterback could get killed. Not literally, but figuratively. I mean, absolutely destroyed. Think how many quarterbacks, like when I was growing up in the 90s, were carted off the field. Not because they broke a leg or had, you know, had like a lower extremity injury. Because they were KO'd. There was no flag thrown when they got KO'd. They just got knocked out. Steve Young, Troy Aikman, career over. Hell, even a little over a decade ago, Brett Favre, you know, KO'd on the field. It was just a different game. And I'm for that. And I know Cowards talked about this, and I agree. Like, the quarterbacks carry the league, right? You need good quarterbacks in the NFL for the league to be great. Even though I love defense, I'm a sucker for a good running back, all that stuff, they don't dictate the success of the league. The success of the league is dictated off the Bradys, the Mannings, the Rodgers, the Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons, they carry the flag. Like it or not, it's just the way it is. And I think at this point in time, we'd all agree with that. But it's also just a lot easier to play quarterback, and the numbers are just really inflated. It used to be if you threw for 30 touchdowns, it was like, damn, that was a really good season. We have our historical outliers over the years that hit that 50 mark, right? Marino, then Manning did it and then Brady did it, and then Mahomes did it a couple years ago. That's a big deal. I think for four or five 50-touchdown seasons we've seen over the last 30 years, I could see that happening six or seven times over the next decade. I look back today, I, I just stumbled upon the coaching, or excuse me, the quarterback, like just the stats page, and, and a number jumped out to me, and it was touchdowns. Because right now, we are on pace for 15-plus individuals to have over 30 touchdowns. And potentially on pace for four or five guys. It's a little hard to tell because Herbert hasn't started all the games. Some guys are at nine, so you can't just project their number to double. But I think if I had to take an educated guess, we get five guys with over 40 touchdown passes at the end of the season. Now, I'd have to really dive into the schedule. Clearly, sometimes the weather for some of these guys that play in cold weather situations, impact the game. Like Russell Wilson, who knows, what? maybe plays some torrential downpours in Seattle. But I, I think four to five guys, over 40 touchdowns. For example, last year, just last year, four quarterbacks threw over 30 touchdowns. Now, two years ago, eight quarterbacks threw over 30, and then the one, Mahomes, threw 50. But in 2017, just three guys threw over 30 touchdowns. So I, I think moving forward, 
So many of these offensive coaches over really the last two or three years have studied so intently these college concepts and the spread offenses where, you know, back in the day, two wide receivers, a fullback, a running back, and a tight end on the field was base offense. That's what the majority of teams in college, but definitely in the pros, ran. That is not the base offense anymore. Most teams do not have a fullback. And even the teams that employ multiple tight ends, like, to me, Travis Kelsey, I mean, is a borderline wide receiver. George Kittle, Darren Waller. I mean, these guys are going to catch between 85 and 100 balls this season. Kittle's not because he's hurt. But Waller and, and Kelsey. Look at, you watch Evan Ingram. He might drop the ball too much. The dude runs a 4-4. So the athletes have changed. Clearly, the amount of wide receivers that keep coming in the league is just stupid. I mean, every dude that's come in the last couple years can play. Look at last year's crop of just the second rounders. DK, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Clay Pools, the Iukes, the Justin Jeffersons, the Judys, the CDs. Like, all these dudes can ball. We're going to get even more this year with Waddle, Jamar Chase. And the quarterback position is just, listen, I'm not trying to be an old guy here. I'm not. I'm only 36, even though I'm starting to feel my age a little bit. But when you hear, like, Steve Young talk, he's like, yeah, I wish I would have played in this era. <laughs> because back when, you know, I had a good season, you throw 28, 30 touchdowns, that's probably 45 now. It's just so much easier to be an explosive passer. One, because teams allow you to pass it more. The run, and really the running back, is kind of a hybrid wide receiver. Like, Dalvin Cook is really more of an outlier. Most of these guys, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, they can catch the football out of the backfield. It's what all these teams are looking for. Guys that can be productive in the passing game. Because that is where you can really... Saquon Barkley, great catcher of the football. And I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't just see it slowing down. Because the game is not going to get more violent. They're not going to start under-regulating the ability to hit, right? That You're going to continue to get 15-yard flags and thrown out of games. In college, you get thrown out of the game and missed the next half, which I hate that rule. But as someone who wants the game to stay around and not disappear, I understand it, even if I think it's a little over the top. I think throwing a guy out of a game is enough. I hate having to miss the next half of football for the next game. But it is what it is, and it's done a good job of you know, forcing guys to not hit like that. We don't have headhunters anymore. But it's also lent us to this offensive explosion where clearly the wide receivers have never been more skilled. I talked to a high school coach. He's like, I've been running the spread now for 20 years. You know, like when I was in high school football in the early 2000s, we ran the wing T. You didn't develop skill guys. Think how many high schools ran the option in the 80s, 90s, and even early 2000s. They're on a high school game when ESPN comes on. They're all running spread. Think how much more work. Now, I didn't have any blue chip guys in my high school, but others do. And they don't run the option anymore. They spread it out. They throw the ball. So think how much more skilled the wide receiver and quarterback is in high school, let alone then in college, let alone coming in the league. So, you know, I I, I think we're going to see records shattered. And that's not to say these guys are better than guys previously. Because we'd all... I, I didn't see Marino and Elway in their prime. But I, I'm not an idiot to know that they would have kicked freaking ass with the rules now. Favre, Young, just go around. Jim Kelly... The guys that could sling it. They, they would have dominated. And these guys benefit from that. So the offense explosion is great for fantasy. It's great for gambling overs. <laughs> that, that's for sure. I, I wouldn't be too into the unders anymore. Uh, but, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Okay, let's dive into three for the money. And from a gambling perspective, I have an unhealthy amount of wagers spread out throughout the Masters. I mean, I am uh, well represented. Winners, top fives, top tens. Uh, I, I got a little cash. Uh, basically, every other guy you watch on the telecast, if you watch the Masters, I, I might have dabbled 20, 30 bucks on them. It's, betting football is, I mean, it's not easy, but it's way easier just, you just pick a team. In golf, you're betting on individuals against the whole field, even top fives and tens, but the odds are incredible. I mean, I put like, 20, 45 bucks down on Lee Westwood, he pays $3,600. The only t- way I get that type of return, now, the likelihood of that him winning is, I mean, he's never won a major, but 
in football for me to do 45 into three, you know, 3,600, I have to hit like a nine team parlay. Even just, it's just, it's awesome. I mean, I got 25 bucks on Tony Fee now to win 875. Gambling golf is sweet. Gambling football is the best and the easiest to understand. But I'm telling you, if you're into golf or into gambling, just start peeking, you know, wherever you place your bets, some of the odds, it's, it's a game changer. I, I'll promise you. Uh, so let's get to three and out. Uh, excuse me. This is three and out. Three for the money. And based on last week, I hit two out of three. Arizona State plus ten and a half. I don't know how they win outright. The Giants plus two and a half uh, against Washington. And the Broncos plus four did not hit against the Falcons. So I'm 18 and 12. This game, I don't like, I love. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off a loss that was just terrible. I mean, they got the living you-know-what kicked out of them. It was, I basically turned the game off at halftime. Felt like, they, I think they were down 31 nothing and a half. They were down 28 nothing before you could even play. Antonio Brown, I think we forget this. One, he's living with Tom Brady. And two, when he left the NFL last year from, uh, you know, when after New England cut him, the Raiders cut him, then New England cut him, he was the best player or one of them in the league. This isn't like some over-the-hill guy. When he left the league, he was at the peak of his powers. Six straight thousand-yard seasons. I think he had just had a 15-touchdown season the year before. I mean, this guy, a Hall of Famer, a six-year six stretch that is as good as any people in the Hall of Fame. I'm talking Jerry, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. Dude is elite. Him and Brady are going to figure it out. And their offense is clearly pretty good. They had an off game. And their defense is good. Another thing, they had an off game. I think they beat the crap out of the Carolina Panthers. Like the Bucks minus five. The Green Bay defense is not great. Now, Green Bay is exponentially better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they're giving them 13 and a half points. Uh, so you could be up 20 going into the fourth quarter, throttle it back, and the Jags get, you know, a uh, basically, you know, some garbage time touchdowns or garbage time scores. 13 and a half is a lot of points for a Jacksonville Jaguars team, which, listen, they're going to win two to three games, but they can score some points. They have skill guys. Def- Green Bay's defense is just not good. That is just way too many points to, to give. And one thing now we've consistently seen, the Giants against the Bucks a couple weeks ago, getting a huge line they cover. Last week, Dallas, who was da- oh Dallas was playing the Steelers and they were getting 14 points. They covered. Like when really good teams, when playoff level teams like Tampa, like the Steelers, like Green Bay, play these teams who are god awful. I'm just gonna lean probably anything above 11, 12 points. It's just too many points, especially if you just have some capable offensive skill guys. So I like. Uh, I like the Jags plus 13 and a half. Then we have Seattle versus the Rams. My philosophy is pretty simple in the NFC West. I, I, I'm probably going to remove the Niners just because they have too many injuries now. Jimmy Garoppolo's gone. It's Nick Mullins. But if the Niners were healthy, I would throw all four teams in this category. Any team that is getting points in that matchup, I would bet on. And the Seattle Seahawks are getting one and a half points. At the Rams. No fans. Indoor. Uh, Jared Goff has not been that good this year. I, I I like Seattle a lot in this game. Coming off a loss. Not just a loss. They got they gave up 44 points to the Buffalo Bills. They got destroyed. I just think that, you know, Jared Goff ain't Josh Allen right now. I like Seattle really to win this game outright, but definitely plus one and a half. So I'm going Seattle plus one and a half at the Rams, SoFi Stadium. I'm going the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus five, at Carolina. And I'm going to go Jacksonville, plus 13 and a half, at Lambeau. I probably feel the worst about the Jags, but I also feel the best because I love huge point spreads, especially this late in the season when teams' records look bad. I, I just think it's human nature for some of these players to overlook them and, and the games to be a little closer than all of us envision. Okay, I was going to do the Middlecoff mailbag, but I have a little bit of a problem. My phone is a disaster, and I, my iPad is at, I didn't charge it today. I don't have access to Instagram as I'm, as I'm recording this currently. 
And not to go off on a tangent about the Apple iPhones, maybe some of you can relate. I have a ton of friends. My Apple iPhone, the last couple months, maybe not months, but like two or three weeks, is a disaster. Nothing works. I can't take a picture right now. I can't talk on it. I have to be on Bluetooth. It's like Tim Cook and Apple are actively... I was going to get a new phone no matter what. He didn't need to screw me like this. But everyone I've talked to, they're like, yeah, my Apple iPhone's been acting all weird. And clearly they're coming out with all these, you know, the new phones during the pandemic. I've had sales are hurting a little bit, trying to boost them up. Kind of shady business practices. You can't tell me randomly the phone comes out and then my iPhone stops working. And every single person I know with an iPhone all is having little weird glitches going. It's pretty crazy. Like, I, I, I'm i pro-technology, but I also acknowledge they do some shady shit, you know? And, I, and I'm a loyal Apple guy. I'm literally recording a podcast that helps fund my life into an Apple, a MacBook. Uh, I got a, uh, I'm looking at an iPad that's out of batteries that's sitting right next to me. And I got an iPhone that I can't access my apps right now. So I, I, I just, if if any of you guys are having the same issue with your Apple iPhone, I'm telling you, I, I'm not even complaining. I was about to buy the new one, and I went to buy the new 12, but they were, you know, like the local AT&T store, and they haven't got the shipment in yet. I was going to do it anyway, Tim Cook. You don't need to screw with me. Just give me, I, I, whenever they come in, I'm going to go buy your $1,000 phone. But when I right now, I need to read my, uh, my Instagram DMs. <laughs> I, I can't talk on my phone without a Bluetooth. Come on, man. Uh, you guys are doing just fine. You guys have a big campus with a bunch of cash in the bank. I have seen your guys' financial statements. I invested in your company for many, many years. I'm a believer. But you, you don't need to do this because right now you're messing with my phone. And like many millennials, I'm way too dependent on this thing. It's basically like my, you know, uh, how to be, a, who wants to be a millionaire, you know, like a lifeline. Think about the lifeline your phone is. You really can't operate without it. And ever since Tim Cook and Apple have been messing with me, I've just, uh, I've been a shell of my former self, <laughs> you know, my, my business is very dependent on that little phone and your Apple iPhones 12s aren't in yet. And until they're in, I just got to deal with my, uh, my glitched iPhone and just try to make it the next week or two. But if you're having the same issues, tweet at me or Instagram at me in my DMs. Hopefully I'll be able to access them. Tell me you're having the same problem because it's kind of BS. It's kind of ticking me off. Appreciate everyone listening. At John Middlecoff, Instagram, give uh, give that a little follow. Shoot me a DM. If you guys, 3 and Out Podcast, leave a, uh, leave a review. If you subscribe and you like the show, I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps uh, you know, us do some advertising stuff, which you know ke- keeps me going, keeps, keeps food on the table. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that'll wrap it up. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Masters. I don't hear, hear, quick Masters prediction, Bryson DeChambeau. Who hits the ball like 800 yards? He shot. He was couldn't have been any. Let me repeat. Couldn't have been any shittier today on Thursday. My prediction, and he still shot two under. I think he's going to be a factor all weekend. I got money on him. I got money on Dustin Johnson. I wish I had money on Tiger, but I, I didn't expect him to play this well. But maybe it's just magic there. But I'm telling you, you watch. Bryson DeChambeau is going to come storming back and be a factor. I, I think probably Dustin Johnson. Probably would be my my guess ends up winning it or JT, but enjoy your Masters weekend. Enjoy football on on mainly on Sunday. I think all these college games are getting canceled on Saturday, or at least a, a large amount of them. I think the SEC is missing like all their games. But uh, have a great weekend. Peace. <laughs>
And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.